0: Welcome to Bridge the Divide Podcast, a podcast where church leaders have real and honest conversations about issues of race and the way forward to racial reconciliation.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Lawrence Kirby. I'm so excited to be uh, introducing you guys to this podcast. Yes. These are my friends, uh, and we want to introduce you to Bridge the Yeah, right? That's our new yes. podcast, and we're so excited to talk about faith and race and politics and all these different <laughs> things, that's right, and how they intersect. Yes. Um, As you know, or well, maybe you don't know, I'm the lead pastor of the Axe Church, but coming very, very soon, very all soon. three of us will be leading a multi-ethnic church called One Voice Church. Yes. We're in the process of planning and laying out everything. Yep. Brethren, y'all want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I'm David Johnson.
2: And I'm Matt Myers. Yeah, so let's let's get into it. Yeah.
1: This is episode one. Yeah, Right?
2: Matt and we're calling episode Johnson? one. We're calling it You Need a Black Friend, which Ooh! I think is a great <laughs> title. And actually, David, I'm gonna hand it off to you because it comes off of a sermon that you were preaching this Sunday where you referenced this. You were talking about kind of how we're the body of Christ, and you were referencing. We need black friends. And you went a little bit deeper too, and black friends need white friends, and just kind of this idea. But that's kind of where the idea of this episode came from. Come on, break it
0: down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we all believe that we're the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think uh, when we talk about that passage in 1 Corinthians, we often just jump straight to spiritual gifts. Right. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because in context, Paul's clearly talking about spiritual gifts. But oftentimes we miss one of those first verses where... Uh, Paul says, we're no longer, uh, uh, or so he says, some of you are Gentiles, some are Jews, some are slaves, some are free, but you are one in Christ. You are all part of one body. That's good. And so just the importance of, in the body of Christ, to have diversity, Mm -hmm. to not just all be the same. Um, And so kind of just thinking through that and studying through that passage of the body and how all the parts are necessary and needed, you know, it was just striking me so much how uh, you, you can't really have... Unity if everything is just the same, yeah. yeah. you know, if we're all just, if we just build a church That's just you know for me uh, white men who are 30 years old who right. <laughs> you know uh, Own a home and love the Packers or whatever. But nah, if we just build a church around that then yeah. like It's it's not the unity that we're after right. We're <laughs> after unity because we're diverse, but we're unified in Christ Yeah, and to take it a step further. You don't you don't need God to
1: build a church with people that all have common everything. Right. You know, like like it's human nature to kind of be drawn to people who are like you. Absolutely. You know, like we don't, there's nothing supernatural in finding people that kind of have similar backgrounds and mm. similar interests and similar perspectives on the world and life and then doing whatever with them. You know, whether it's building some kind of social club. Yeah. You know, it, it, you don't need God for that. Yeah. Uh, and I think we miss out on the opportunity to build authentic unity when we relegate ourselves to homogeneous homogeneous lifestyle and and even church, like we miss the opportunity uh, of the power of of building unity and the gospel and all that kind of stuff um, when when we do that in my
2: opinion. I think even to take what you're saying a step farther, I think we actually lose out on seeing God for all that he is. Preach your sermon. So for example, David mentioned the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is so diverse and we're only focusing on the arm, right? Mm-hmm. You're actually not seeing God for all he is. Yeah. I don't want to get too far into that as in like we're gods. Th- no, 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 no. But we are the body of Christ. Right. And so when you see the body working and functioning right in all of its diversity and all of its differences and all of its functioning, your picture of actually who God is is expanded. Yeah. And I think there's something to diversity in seeing God more clearly.
0: Right, so, so something I said in my sermon was that, you know, Paul uses these references of Jew and Gentile, right. mm-hmm. slave or free, which, you know, what does that mean for us today? Mm-hmm. And so my point was that, you know, some of us here are black, some are white, some are Asian, some are Hispanic, but but we're all one in Christ. Some mm-hmm. of us vote blue, some vote red, some mm-hmm. vote green, some don't vote at all.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but but in Christ, we're united into one. Yeah. Um, and, and in my point, and the, why we decided to call this podcast episode uh, You Need a Black Friend. Mm-hmm. Which which can be offensive, yes. depending <laughs> on
1: what on lens. And we're going we to unpack well, yeah, some, yeah, of, yeah, that well. some yeah. of that as so well. So get to yeah. it. The,
0: and the reason I said that in, in my sermon is because you know I, I see so many people uh, getting into arguments on Facebook and, and whatnot mm-hmm. um, about all, just all the race racial things that are happening in our nation, right? right? And uh, I see some of my white brothers and sisters, yeah. white uh, Christians, uh, saying things, and I just I just want to say, please get a friend that is mm-hmm. black that has a different experience, has a different. Yeah. Outlook on all of these situations than you do because you're only surrounded by people who all Have the same exact viewpoints as yeah. you it's and an your chamber mm-hmm. you're in an echo chamber and and the point is that when we have Friends who are different than us. It helps us have compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for their perspective for their experience and mm-hmm. so my my encouragement to uh, my white friends get a black friend <laughs> yeah. you know? my republican yeah. friends get a democrat friend or yeah. or whatever it is my black
2: friends get a white get friend. a white friend Jesus. my democrat friends get a republican, get a republican. Hang out with Republicans. yes yeah.
0: yes um. and and obviously there are people who are just um angry and super divisive on the far side or whatever don't be friends with those maybe, maybe don't be friends don't with <laughs> but, but i mean i mean there there are people that that we need to have friends that are different than us that mm-hmm. can like, help us understand yeah. those perspectives and, and bring compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and because it, it also
1: helps personalize issues. Yes. Uh, and humanize issues, there yes. I say. Yeah. Because it is amazing in this age of like social media that we live in. People have such strong opinions mm-hmm. about things they know yep. absolutely nothing about. Yep. Yep. And it's such it, it's so amazing to just see people so passionately and confidently have yep. an opinion. Yep. and they don't even understand the depths of issues because they're not directly connected to it. Yeah. And we have to be careful that we don't just watch a news broadcast and then develop some opinion of what we see on a news broadcast or read in an article yeah. and, and approach it with such a lack of humility and right. such a boldness mm-hmm. as if we have figured this whole situation out. And so often what we see, I think what is upsetting the individuals is, is again, this degree of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think all of us on some levels are guilty of this. Yeah. We approach situations with this degree of confidence and almost arrogance and we we have no idea mm-hmm. what we're talking about actually. Yeah. Because we have no we haven't one done the research. Yeah. I'm not even talking about personal experience. Absolutely it's, it's not just about having to experience something to be able to connect to it or mm-hmm. have an opinion, but but to have adequately done the research. Yeah. Yeah. We just kind of take our own thoughts and our own viewpoint of life and then we develop an opinion. And then we, we run with that, you know? And so we're debating and arguing, and we just don't properly
2: understand in a lot of different contexts. And then, so, when, our, and then when our echo chamber just champions those same thoughts and just encourages that along, mm-hmm. it's just all we need to continue to have those same thoughts anyway. Mm-hmm. There's no challenge to that. Yeah. But I think it's those relationships of get a white friend, get a black friend that David's talking about. Uh, we quote KJ Scriven on this all the time. I hope I get it right, okay? but he says proximity breeds relationships, right? Relationships breed understanding, understanding breeds compassion. That unless we're close, unless we're hearing the struggle of individuals, of what people are actually going through, people that are experiencing, people that know, how are we going to know? Mm -hmm. How can we even process it? And some of that's experience, some of it is zooming out, some of it's zooming in, it Mm -hmm. needs to be a little bit of both, looking at stats and facts and things like that, Mm -hmm. but also understanding what people are going through. And I have an example uh, that's true to us in our group. That's a little bit. Uh, we're gonna get a little bit heavier. Here come with here. the water works. Yeah, I mean Matt always want to make us cry. Yeah, man. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> this is what cry. I do. Uh, but and and here's the example for me that was so profound in a moment, just on friendship. So. There was a Sunday, na- Sunday night, I don't even remember how long ago it was, was it July? August. We were in August. July, right? August. August, August 23rd. Okay. Yep. Was it? Yeah. Doesn't it feel like it was forever good? Time is just such yeah. a, 2020 time is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how to judge it. Yeah. So it's August 23rd, okay, yep. uh, I get a text out of the blue. like I think I was playing video games with friends, like out of the blue and this is the text and I'm gonna read it. Uh, and it was at a heavier moment, okay? And I get this text and it's from uh, Kirby's wife. It's from Shandrika. from your wife, and hey, it's baby. to me, <laughs> and it's to <laughs> me and David. Shondriga. And I hope she doesn't mind me reading this. Uh, but this is what she wrote, and I'm gonna read it kind of verbatim here. He said, she said, and this was out of blue. I didn't even know what she was talking about. And all of a sudden, my head's spinning. Like, what's going on? She just wrote, "Kirby is not okay. He's not okay because he just saw an unarmed man get shot and killed in front of his children. He, at that point, we thought he had passed, but we know." He had not passed, but she said, he has seen an umnar man get shot and killed in front of his children when he could have gotten tased or tackled. The man's children were in the car. Kirby is not okay because he spends his life, you know how it do, sorry. Because he spends his life trying to convince black people that all white people don't hate them, and then you see stuff like this happen again. Kirby is not okay because he tries to say all cops are not bad. Kenosha is going to be a better place. We're praying for them. Stuff like this happens. He's not okay by any stretch of the imagination. I need you to understand he is not okay. I am pissed. <laughs> and I got that text and I was like, I don't even know what's happening. And so we had to unpack that more. And she said, I just inboxed you a video of a man being killed. And I was already in a mood. Uh, doesn't matter. I'm going into other things. But, uh, To me, that changes the dynamic that we have. It's one thing to be removed as a white, middle-class man to watch things and be like, just statements that are made. You should have done this. This shouldn't happen this way. Or we can justify it this way. or You know what I'm saying? We come up with reasons upon reasons to explain away a problem. And then it's another thing for one of your best friend's wives to reach out to you to say your brother is not okay yeah. because he saw someone of his community get killed. And we know he didn't die, praise the Lord. But yeah. the intent, it changes the discussion, and it changes the approach, and it changes my entire attitude of how I approach the problem. Even if he was a knucklehead and did everything wrong, I'm still approaching the discussion with compassion now with a different level of understanding. Why? Because I have a black friend. As if you're my only black friend. But you understand what I'm saying? I I mean,
1: I understand. It's super important. Um, And I wanna be clear, we're not talking about tokenism. No. Um, Because there's a lot of kind of interracial, superficial relationships that are colorblind. You know, there's a guy at work that's black or white and y'all just talk about football (laughs) or
0: whatever.
1: You know what I mean? Like that's not, relationships with people that are different have to go beyond the superficial. Yes. Uh, they have to move to the place of transparency yes. where you're you're able to walk through these issues and talk about real life and talk about authentic perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges when you hear, because the horror story of the statement that we're making, I have a black friend, is that we all know people that make the statement, I have a black friend <laughs> yes. or I have a black child <laughs> yes. or my boyfriend is black or whatever. Yep. And, and then they use that as some kind of license as if they're some kind of expert now on all things black, and yes. so their opinion now has some validity, yes. Even if it's out of sync with a certain demographic of people of color, yeah. because of that, you know.
0: And they're Absolutely. And, and
1: I can think of at least three horror stories from individuals <laughs> like, well, I have a black this, bro. We've or been in, that. we've been meeting together, yeah, for you know what I mean, uh, that, and, so. and, and just cringing yeah. because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Bless you for having that relationship, but you still haven't understood these issues from from a a historically accurate place uh, and and even from the the plight of black people in general what that looks like.
2: And I think that's connected even to that K.J. Scriven quote that we use so much. Proximity breeds relationships. Relationships breed understanding. Mm -hmm. Understanding breeds compassion. Like it has to go through steps. It's Mm -hmm. not just a you know, a, a removed relationship, Yeah, that text bothered me so much because I care about you. Yeah. And what did we right. do, man? Yeah. She, I text her back and she said, do we need to come over? And she said, come over fast before he goes out and protest. But then we came over together and we went out and we were praying for people and meeting with people on the streets that night. Yeah. That's what we that's did. Right. That's right. And so that's that friendship and relationship actually bringing about levels of change, bringing mm-hmm. about, a better understanding, or at least a compassionate understanding, because yeah. even if we disagreed on things, let's say we disagreed on the way all of that played out, at least it would be disagreement with compassion. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying Absolutely. within relationships. Absolutely. So,
0: so, just to help everyone listening, we're talking about the the shooting of Jacob Blake. Yeah. That, that happened uh, Thanks. here. Thanks. That's in, helpful. In Kenosha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our our home uh, town where we're, we're feel called to build this multi ethnic church. Yeah. And uh, you know, instantly when I got the text, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So I hop on Facebook and I start seeing the, the video that, you know, so many of us have seen now mm-hmm. that went totally viral. And then I'm seeing posts from, again, some of my white Christian friends, and they're like instantly trying to justify the police officer's actions. Um, and that's their post. And I I just cringe and my heart breaks because I'm like, you're you're totally missing the compassion that needs to be right now. There's a time and a place for trying to figure out all that that happened and mm-hmm. went down, but our first reaction has to be compassion for each other. And and I think like what we're talking about, because of my friendship with you, Kirby, and Chandrika, and as I begin to know other people and that are different from me, my heart went to compassion. Like mm-hmm. I sank when I, mm-hmm. I saw that video. Yeah. And,
1: and this is, I'm happy, you mentioned something that I think is important even to this conversation um, about how many uh, of even like my white friends, people that I know, automatically begin to try to defend and justify the officer's action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so backstory, growing up, I was a bit of a history buff mm-hmm. that just 12 or 13 years old, that became my thing. Yeah. And so reading and studying history just became a really important part of my life and coming mm-hmm. of age. And recently I've had to kind of reconnect with history in some ways to help me understand some things that are happening. And with that being said, white communities have a different understanding of the role of law enforcement than black communities. Yes. Yeah, typically sure. and historically. For sure. Uh, in 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 white communities, the 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 tendency is to see officers' role as to actually protect and serve. Yeah. Uh, In in black and brown communities, that is not the case. It's historically been uh, to to oppress, Mm -hmm. to to, to hold back, to hold down. And and this is historical fact. This is not opinion. When you look at the Reconstruction era right after slavery ended, law enforcement was used to keep blacks in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, They began to pass vagrancy laws that basically said, now, many of these slaves were instantly homeless Mm -hmm. right after Reconstruction. You put off plantations. There's no longer... And so right away, these vagrancy laws are passed. So if you're a black person and you're on the street, you could be arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right away, there's tension with law enforcement yep. now because police, um, you, you know, we see this transition of power from slave owner and overseer, particularly mm-hmm. in the South, but even in the coast and other areas, to, to law enforcement now being mm-hmm. viewed as the primary oppressor. Mm-hmm. Even till this day, if you're black and you're driving around or walking in certain neighborhoods, mm-hmm. Police are going to roll up on you, like, hey, what are you doing over here? 50. Now imagine how much more aggressive that happened in the 30s and 40s sure and 50s. That. You know, right. if you were black and you crossed a certain street out of a black neighborhood, mm-hmm. the, the police were on you in a matter of moments just to be like, what are you doing over here? Yeah. You don't belong in this neighborhood. You're not supposed... So, so law enforcement was used in a very vicious way historically mm-hmm. in our country in black communities. Yeah. And so there's instantly a lack of trust Mm -hmm. that is based on, number one, historical fact. Yeah. And then number two, personal experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the black men that I know have at least one or two horror stories Mm -hmm. or scares based on some interaction with law enforcement. Sure. Excuse me. Where where you were profiled in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can remember growing up in Racine. I grew up in Racine. Um, and having experiences with law enforcement that tended to be somewhat negative. Mm -hmm. Now, what separated me from other black people is that my father was well-known throughout the city and the community, Um, and so when they would run my name, oftentimes police officers would say, are you related to Pastor Kirby? I would say, yeah, and then it would be like, oh, things would change.
2: Yeah, you guys have the exact same name. Exactly, because I have the exact
1: same name as my father. (laughs) Um, But but before that, there was a degree of hostility, Mm. like here's another one of these young thugs. You know what I'm saying? And so many of us share common experiences, regardless of socioeconomic status, sure. regardless of what part of the country you live in. Uh, so, so this narrative is not just something that's, that's science fiction, you know? It's yep. not just pulled out of, it's not fantasy. Yep. You know, like it's, There's an authentic connection of experience nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so when I see Jacob Blake, I'm not automatically saying, well, you know, he must've did something yep. that made the officer wanna, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at history, I'm yep. looking at my own personal experiences, yeah. um, and right away, my mind goes to racial profiling mm-hmm. um and a lot of other issues that 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 stem from how black people have been viewed in this nation since sixteen nineteen
2: yeah yeah, yep.
1: So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but funny moment, because, you know, let, let me, I, you know, I got a shit to do with this. <laughs> um, that night, I thought I was okay. I want to tell you, before these guys, my wife texted these dudes. You were not okay. Because I was like, no, I'm okay. You know, like yeah. I was on some toxic masculinity stuff. Yes, you were. Everybody was <laughs> like, how you doing? I was getting text messages from you guys. Yep. My wife, like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah, Clearly not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that's that's part of trauma. You know, when mm-hmm. when, when you face certain degrees of trauma on a somewhat mm-hmm. regular basis, yeah. Um, you, you just you know there's this kind of false macho. I'm okay. No matter what it is, like I'm okay. I'm good. I'm gonna be all right.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: and and I was kind of holding on to that that night quite a bit. You know, and it took
2: my wife to text my friends <laughs> and be like, I think so. He's not okay. And I think like, even he's not okay. I think even when we showed up. You were like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And I was like, this dude is not fine. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, doing but I believe myself. Like, yeah. I'm trying to convince myself. No, I'm yeah. good. I'm fine.
2: Yeah, But yeah. Completely yeah, basketball
0: not. Basketball on the TV or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Trying to just chilling. And, and I'm just thinking, this is, what's he doing? Okay.
2: Yeah. But I think that's what the relationship and the compassion that we were talking about mm-hmm. is so important. And that can help you even have conversations that are awkward. Because... I think part of the problem is we're trying to have a lot of these really intense social conversations without relationships. And sometimes that's hard to do because it needs to be done on a scale that relationships can't happen. Mm -hmm. But like to try to have some of these discussions without relationship, without anything at stake, I mean, you're just shooting out stuff on Facebook. You're just shooting out stuff, yeah. like there's no consequences. And most of the people that you're connected to in Facebook that you haven't muted, gotten rid of, unfriended, unfollowed, that's your echo chamber already. Mm-hmm. And so like when you shoot stuff out, you're not even expecting a pushback and if you get any, it's through no relationship and so you're not ready to even have a discussion. Yeah. And, and relationship is not the end all be
1: all. Yeah, like for sure so that many
2: is. other things need right. to take place. For sure that. Uh,
1: and I wanna be clear, even as we're talking and dissecting this yep. issue, we don't come off as suggesting, you know, if everybody just got a black or white friend, right. everything would be better. No. There's clearly other things that need to change <laughs> and other processes that need yeah. to change for our country to move forward, I yeah. think. Um, but but we can't belittle or downplay the role of relationship. Absolutely. It because it gives a more broader perspective and a well-rounded understanding. That there's there's men and women who I trust their heart, mm-hmm. but I, I disagree with emphatically on some things. Yep. Sure. But because I trust who they are. I know they're not malicious in their intent. Mm-hmm. They just live in a different reality than I do. Yeah. And so it allows me to walk through issues with them or to approach them in a way where, we're, like we're not arguing or screaming. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, mutant unfounded. It's not that. <laughs> yep. Because I know like, man, these people are, number one, I know they really love Jesus. Right. I know they really love people. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been drawn into the same experience that I have. And so there's a degree of patience you can have when when you know and trust the heart of individuals, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're having difficult and awkward conversations about even race and and even how we've made the issue of race such a political uh, issue, facts. You know what I mean? And it's not like it's the issues of race in America is a human rights issue, number one. And it's not Republican or Democrat because there's issues of race. In every political party, like yeah. let's be clear, mm-hmm. just because somebody votes Democrat doesn't mean they have all things race figured out. Facts. And every, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not that. Yep. Uh, and one of the sad realities is this conversation has been relegated to politics. Yeah. So the moment you start talking race, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you, you you guys are left, and the left wing has got to you. Like, yeah. no, it's this is the, a reality yeah. of people of color in this country, and has been uh, for four hundred and one years now.
2: Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, but... I appreciate you saying that it's not just this, but I do think this is a huge factor and it's helpful. And it's helpful not just for uh, just random people on the street, but it's helpful for the church. I think as a Christian issue, having relationships. Especially for the church. Absolutely that. It's that body of Christ that we need to be diverse, and we're going to have a healthier church. We're going to have healthier Christianity in our city, in our country, when we can understand that, when we can be more diverse in our makeup of churches. But the church is so Mm -hmm. homogenous. We want our churches to look exactly like we look at all times, whether that's socioeconomic class, whether that's color, whether that's the music that we listen to, whether that's the, you know what I'm saying? This is a more socially uh, uh, active church. This is a more, like we just want it to be completely what we've defined, but the church needs to be diverse. The, the body's diverse.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think the other reason I love just the idea of get a friend who is different than yeah. you. Is it something that we all can do?
2: That's good. Mm -hmm.
0: There there are some things, you know, when I think about, and we have some conversations about some of the racial issues and what can we do, and sometimes I feel a little bit like, I don't don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. But this getting a friend that is different than you Mm -hmm. is something that everyone can do. You can do it. It might take some effort gonna take or it you. will take
1: some effort let's, <laughs> let's be clear about that no <laughs> right yeah, let's,
0: you're right it's yeah. gonna take some effort yeah it's you have, to, to, be
1: you you have to be intentional you have to be intentional exactly because it's do. easy to just hang back yes. into whatever
2: you're comfortable mm-hmm. with yes it takes effort yes i didn't mean but to it is no you're right, right. No, no that's and, good and like that. the older you get if i can just say this it's more and more of a miracle to make new friends even homogenous friends you know what i'm saying it's hard for adults to make friends but I think it's important for us to do. It's important. It is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think our dream as we build One Voice Church is that we would be diverse and create space for those relationships to develop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that's some of the challenge too is because we're so separated in the way that we live and the stores that we go to and the school or whatever mm-hmm. jobs that we have is that it's harder to, to start relationships with meaningful relationships with mm-hmm. people that are different than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the beauty of the church can be that we're, we can be diverse, joining together in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and we can create small groups where you're with people that are different than you intentionally yep. to help build some of these relationships and bridge the divide. That's Ooh. good. I'll oh, see I see what you, you did there. I see you. I see what you <laughs> did there. <laughs> no, that's,
1: that's good stuff, man. I can't help but grieve. Um, when I look at the American church and how homogenous we are yeah. and how segregated we are, mm-hmm. and I feel like we just have done our country a great disservice mm-hmm. you know, over the generations um, b- b- because we've made the decision to be segregated or we haven't questioned the decision to be segregated. Even though I know a lot of us clearly see it in scripture. Mm -hmm. And and this is the church, so this is not pointing the finger at any specific movement or denomination because you see black churches, you see white churches, you see primarily Hispanic churches, you see Asian. Mm -hmm. So all of us have come into this context where we we have segregated, Mm -hmm. and we've continued to perpetuate a system of segregation on Sunday morning, Sure, No, no matter how diverse other places and spaces have gotten
0: mm-hmm,
1: uh, okay. because t- to Matt's point, I've been out protesting, you know, again, in Kenosha, a lot of things have been going on the last yes. almost month now. And the crowd of protesters has been incredibly diverse yes. in Kenosha. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Like nearly, yeah. nearly 50, yeah. 50 in terms of white and black. and Hispanic. Like you see, you see so many different kinds of people Absolutely. Out in, yep. in these protests. Yep. It's not just all black people. It's That's not. Good. And I would hate for the church The body of Christ to to be the last entity in America to to embrace authentic integration and relationship. Absolutely, I I mean, I think that'd be a a sad narrative um, when it's so clearly something in Scripture. uh, Because I'm not saying we're chasing this fad of doing it, but but something that is clearly seen in Scripture, diversity, uh, for for us to miss Scripture. Um, but also missed the opportunity to lead our nation yep. into in showing people what unity looks like. Yeah, absolutely, um, but, but it's one step at a time, right? right. Which is why the, the relational piece I think is so important and what we think, you
0: know? Yeah. So get a black friend.
2: Yeah. yeah, get a black friend.
0: This could be a whole <laughs> another podcast for another time, but I think part of the reason why uh, uh, churches in America have continued to be so segregated is this mindset of, uh, like the business practice of having a target audience. Yeah, right. You know, like, what's your demographic? Right, you're taught that in in church planting and and I, probably just business yeah. in general. Yeah. Like, well, who's your target? This you know, is the same way. This is the same way. Who are you called to? Right, right. Yeah, who are you called? To? Yeah, that's how yeah. like yeah. you say it's
2: Saved. Yeah, you know, you're called right. to so a certain a very group. Yeah, that's literally there. And So I'm <laughs> called to these type <laughs> of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. and it's like I don't want to belittle that, like. In a blanket statement, every person who's felt yeah, that way. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think God calls us sometimes to specific things. But I think we've made that as that is the requirement. And yeah. You have to build yep. a church. Like, what are you doing? You're gonna plant a church without a target audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But like that that's not what scripture teaches. Like yeah. Jesus didn't say you have to have a target audience to go build the kingdom. Yeah, you said everybody. And
2: I think Whoever's, having those relationships yeah. and making that work and having a non-homogeneous church is actually really complicated and hard. Yeah. And it comes with great pain. And I think of, we talk with my friend Keith Norman, who's got a multi-ethnic church in Atlanta, and he was told at multiple points, like don't do this, this is a mistake, it's gonna fail, it's not gonna work. Because honestly, it's harder. Yeah, It's, it's rough, it's a pain, there's gonna be struggle, you're gonna have fighting that's not even on your Definitely. radar. You're gonna have issues that you've not even thought up yet, just because there's such diversity. But the joy is the end, the fruit, the beautiful picture of the bride of Christ being what she should be is worth, I think, all the heartache and pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and one of the challenges, especially for black folk,
1: is that after 401 years of a very difficult relationship with yep. European Americans. Mm-hmm. Black folk just don't really trust white people. <laughs> yep. Like honestly, so when we talk about even the flip side of, of get a black friend, get a white friend. Yep. Like that's that's a difficult statement for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, eh, Like even, even with what I know we're called to, mm-hmm. I still get people like, why do you wanna be with them white folks? <laughs> yep. Why? Why? Yep. Like, cause it's biblical,
2: mm-hmm.
1: cause it's right, that's cause it's Christian, you know what right. I mean? But it's like, all right, you wanna you want do church with them white people. You yep. gotta be careful. Yeah, and it, you know because the the history the, the, the history can almost override biblical mandate yeah. for people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there's such a trauma and disconnect. We're like, yeah, I don't want to take that risk. Yeah, um, but we know that faith it involves risk. Like we yeah. know to 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 generally walk out this gospel, we have to take risks and do yeah. things and engage in relationships that will make us uncomfortable right. for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to you know, and and black or
2: white or Hispanic or Asian, we're called to take these relational risks for the gospel. I think in addition then that's helpful if if we're gonna make statements like get a black friend, and I know that we know that it's a shocking statement, that's why we're using it, but I think it's also be a good white friend, be a good black friend. Mm -hmm. Like we we wanna be diverse, but also the calling comes more than just like what you'll gain out of it, but like be there for the other people, in mm-hmm. your diverse context. Right. So if you want to get a black friend, be a good white friend. If you want to get a white friend, be a good black friend. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like I think there's a there's a requirement there that's important. When Shandrika texts us and says you're not right. We were over at the house even though you were telling us, no, we're yeah, good. I'm good. I'm okay. You don't need to come over. Yeah, we're fine. I'm fine. But I was like, I showed up at your door and I was like, well, Chandrika said to come over. <laughs> Yes. But I mean it's being a good friend That's what you do And sometimes it costs you something And I think with especially a history of distrust Then we need to put in extra effort as believers As mm-hmm. people who are building a church That's multi-ethnic, multi-generational It costs yeah. more effort We have to do harder work
1: Yeah, And at some point we've got to trust Jesus Absolutely that um, And, and, and we, we can't even let historical context Get in the way of the things that God has called us Facts. to do. You know what I mean? And as difficult as it can be to kind of reach into those different demographics and and seek out friendships, it is what we're called to do. Mm. As as believers, it is what we're called to do. That's good. Um, You know, know, when when Jesus says, go, um, you know, go therefore throughout the world and make disciples. One of the amazing things about America is you don't have to get on a plane to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like we can go into the people groups, the nations of the world. Yeah. Like in our neighborhoods, yeah. in our cities. In Kenosha. In, in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you don't have to leave, you know, and it's not a knock to mission work. I of think course. that's an important part, but, of course. But, you know, we automatically think, go ye therefore, and I'm sorry, I memorized scripture in King James. <laughs> it's from my youth, I'm sorry. That's I can't right. help. <laughs> but when we think about, you know, the Great Commission, it's always like doing something drastic, getting on a plane and going to some far off place. And again, that's meaningful and important. But, dude, like, you in your school, in your, in your job, in in your sphere of influence, there are yeah. people that that represent the nations in some ways. That's good. And we're, we're called. The gospel compels us to go to those individuals. Um, and, and I know we have hangups, and I know there's history with people groups. Yeah. I know there's friction in areas. Like all of that is true, and all of that is real. Yeah. Um, but it but it it doesn't give us the right to sacrifice what the gospel calls us to do. Yeah.
2: That's good. Yeah.
0: So get a black friend.
1: Get a wife. Get a wife Yeah. <laughs> get somebody. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Listen, uh, that's it, right? Yep. That's all the time we got. Thank y'all so much for yep. tuning in. Uh, catch the next podcast, episode two. Um, we'll get it going pretty soon. Love yeah. y'all. Thank y'all so much for joining us. Any closing words, gentlemen?
2: We're good. We're good? We're good. All right. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to Bridge the Divide. Subscribe wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and more. You can also listen to the video version of our podcast over on YouTube. If you found this podcast helpful, do us a favor and share it with a friend. See you next time on Bridge the Divide Podcast.